everyone welcome back to another episode of don't be so dramatic my name is rachel and this is the podcast where i talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there for this week's episode i have with me michael sheesby michael is an actor currently based in sydney but he has had some fabulous opportunities and done some fabulous work in his career so far you might know michael from hacks Ridge, The Nightingale, A Place to Call Home, The Secret She Keeps, The Luminaries, some fabulous, fabulous productions. So it was very interesting for me to talk to Michael, I guess, about um, his mindset coming out of drama school and how that changed when he discovered that the people that he looked up to in the industry were making mistakes and failing at things and just playing around and allowing their work to come from that play Um, and so um, Michael has since I guess really honed in on what is important for him in his life and his day-to-day how he wants to feel in his day-to-day or in three years time or after each job Um, we also talk about um, specifically with the Nightingale because it is such a um, intense film um, how Michael went about um, dealing with that subject matter and also he talks about how the cast um, as a team dealt with that subject matter which is very interesting so I have linked Michael's website below and without further ado let's jump in. Michael thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi Rach. Um, so <laughs> we're laughing because I was just saying to Michael that um, he only gets one take at a podcast. There's no multiple takes like in acting when you're acting on screen. But you've done theatre, so you know that there's um, it's like one time, I guess, per night though. One shot, mm. one opportunity, Eminem, yeah. Yes, exactly. We all live by Eminem's wise words. Wise yeah, rap. This is true. Yes. Is true. <laughs> so you're an actor. You're currently based in Sydney. Yeah. So you were telling me a bit um, before how you went to drama school straight out of high school. Mm. Um, so where did your interest first start in acting in the entertainment industry? Um, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, in South Africa in a, a little agricultural town called uh, Peter Maritzburg or Umgungun Lovo. And I, uh, every day, um, my school uniform was like, it was khaki short shorts and a khaki top. It it almost looked like a game ranger's outfit. Mm. Um, And I would spend, I'd I'd come home from school and I I always spent so much time uh, after school just in the garden. Um, There were always, you know, vervet monkeys to chase with my slingshot and, um, and, I mean, my dad taught me how to make fire before I could read. Um, and my toys were like, you know, I just I just preferred like pocket knives and making forts and stuff. So um, I was always kind of, yeah, just running around the garden playing dress-ups and having little pretend adventures outside. And I think <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, when I yeah, that was that was uh, I guess my happy place, um, or is the place where just no thought went into it. That's just what I kind of naturally did. 
and then yeah I remember like Sunday mornings I'd run into my parents room and and the family would you know all kind of be hopped up in the bed and and uh, I used to just love showing off and doing Mr Bean and stuff um (laughs) Mr Bean my my number one influence in life um and then you know we we immigrated as a family to uh Sydney Australia in 2000 2001 I was about 11 12 uh and I think you know at, at, at that age I think jumping into a, a new high school or school you know rather than a class of 20 kids to a class of 360 kids um i think i it, that's definitely what I, I i went into my shell a bit um i just noticed myself becoming very very quiet uh and very kind of you know looking around at what i should do and and uh how should i behave and and who should i hang out with and who should I speak to and who should I not speak to um and then we had a a, uh when I was finally 14 15 we were allowed to take drama class and I knew I was going to do that because as a kid um I was always like the lead you know soprano number one um back in back in South Africa so I was like oh I'll, I'll definitely take drama that'll be fun and I was just incredibly lucky I had uh Damien Ryan as my high school teacher and Damien Ryan, I mean, he's gone on to, you know, do amazing things with Sport for Joe Theatre and, and Bell Shakespeare. And, uh, he is uh, absolutely a genius. He is a, he is a, he is a genius. Um, what he is able to do with, with Shakespeare, the, the way that he is able to, uh, articulate Shakespeare's, um, you know the meanings and, and and themes behind his work and what is he actually saying with this line and being able to convey that to a bunch of 14 year old kids like he was, he was unreal <laughs> yeah he was unreal. and he gave me uh he gave me a monologue it was Romeo and Juliet it was Romeo looking up at the up the it was the balcony the mm-hmm. balcony um you know but soft and uh yeah I just remember going home and just working on it working on it working on it and um suddenly Shakespeare just became this thing that I that I loved um and I I you know wasn't very interested in any other subjects or, or topics at school and uh I found it very hard to do any work or put any effort into things that I didn't that I wasn't excited or energized by and um yeah watching <laughs> I think maybe it was because ugh, it's one of those things it was like that teacher at that time at that place um you know encouraged me and I just felt like I could speak you know I I could um uh I could say things my way and I could say these things that I'm not able to articulate in life um uh yeah and then I had a glorious you know four years at drama school and and um uh I think there was like Eight of us got into WAPA. I think about five got into NIDA and a few into ACA. Um, and there was all from those kind of four or five years of, of you know, Damien Ryan. and. That's crazy. The, like, the, that's the a Barker. crazy it's nuts. amount of, of it's people nuts. to yeah. go on to drama school. Like, that yeah. just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. I know. 
Yeah, so um, you went to NIDA straight mm-hmm. out of high school. Yeah, straight out of high school. Yeah. Uh, I was 18, I was, you know. Which is rare because they don't, because for NIDA, I feel like, you know, they do take on people straight out of high school, but they're also quite particular in, you know, accepting people okay. who maybe <laughs> yes, uh, have a little bit of life experience. Yes. But no, I think it's like such a... A testament to your um, skills, I guess, to be like, he's oh. 18, but we're going to accept him, you know? Well, uh, that's very sweet. That's very lovely of you. Um, uh, I was so nervous at my callback <clears throat> that I, I went into the bathrooms to vomit. Um, and I remember at the end of the day when it was like, you know, it's the callback and then you're the last three people. So, you know, you're going onto the short list. And I remember having a little one-on-one chat with uh, uh, Kevin Jackson, um, uh, who was, you know, who's the main, the main acting teacher there and had been for, you know, probably two decades. Um, and he said to me, you know, if you get in, don't come. He was like, I think some of the other teachers like you. And like, <laughs> if if you get a go, Kevin. if you get a phone call, I love him for a love. If you get a phone call saying you got in, you mustn't come. And I was like, you know, why? Uh, and I mean, I definitely, I had no expect. My best mate was auditioning, and I was like, I didn't. I thought I was gonna, you know, go to university and and uh, do something. Uh, I don't know a lot more conservative and and safe, I guess. Um, And then suddenly I was shortlisted and the idea of going there was like, what? Like I could actually go? That's incredible. Um, And I remember KJ said, you know, you mustn't come. And he was like, you won't be a worse actor. Um, Go get life experience. Mm -hmm. Go take Mm -hmm. some time to to live so that you can bring, um, you can bring shit to the table. Yeah. and I didn't listen to him. I, I arrived and on the first day, he just walked down the hallways and we, we walked past each other and he went from one institute to the next. Um, and I, you know, I think it took me about seven years to understand what, what he meant. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love that. We've had Kevin on the podcast before uh, as well. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes me laugh. It's funny, like something that I really often talk about is, um, in the creative industry, this idea of just, you know, um, it's not like a nine to five in which every day of the week you're going into a job. And mm. so when we do get work, we're kind of like really, I guess, hustling that sort of mentality. And then, um, when you're not working, you're trying to get work. And I think it's really important to take breaks in your creative career in order to go and get more life experience. And I think, you know, after drama school, it's something that we don't put enough emphasis on because, you know, we, we feel like we're in a race for our entire careers because we're getting no's, we're getting rejection, we're, we're trying our best to, you know, better our skills and ourselves as creatives. And we kind of think taking a break is going to mean that we're going to fall down the ladder which is not the case but I think yeah I just keep trying to drive home the point of like you need life experience to draw from especially as actors you know and um how are you going to get that if all you're doing is 
you know, going to your acting classes and being on set or being in a play or writing a script and not spending that time with your friends and family or like traveling or if traveling's not your thing because it's not everyone's thing, just yeah. like having experiences, you know. So yeah. I, I always found it quite funny that <clears throat> anytime I, I did kind of consciously or consciously or, or unconsciously take a break from uh, from the world of acting, whether I was, you know, going working on a farm for a while or just traveling the world or um, whatever, just, you know, living, living, um, that I just found it very ironic that, you know, I'd come home and, and that would often be the time that within a week or two I'd book something. Mm. Hmm, that's, what's, what's that telling me? Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe when I, I really value, uh, my time and my energy and, and uh, how I'm living my life and um, am I living in a life am I living in a way which is uh, uh, important to me energizing to me am I doing the things which which I value um, yeah there seems to be some kind of residual effects from that for sure I've definitely mm. noticed for myself definitely yeah, yeah I've definitely noticed when I take on too much and then get burnt out and I'm like oh mm. the universe is telling me to take a break mm. <laughs> we're here again <laughs> but no and as you were saying before like we we're talking about how you live near the beach and that's mm. important to you it's such a simple thing but I completely agree like time in nature is something that I really draw energy from um and it's just like even just doing the gardening, making mm. time to do the gardening or making the time to like, I don't know, do you like walk on the beach and that is your part of your routine yeah. of like making sure that you're, I guess, giving yourself the best possible circumstances in order to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think something which, um, uh, you know, I... I did a production of of Henry V at the Opera House and uh, <clears throat> look, I, I figured that was a a dream come true um, and it was the worst experience um, I've had. Really? Was, yeah. Um, and I, you know, after that, um, I better preface that by just saying that it was completely on me. I was surrounded by the most amazing people and set up and scenario and it was it was on me it was because i was trying to please everyone else right okay um but after that i had a friend who she's got this beautiful cabin uh overlooking nowra uh on browns mountains like this big solar powered glass Mm -hmm. cabin and i went and spent uh two weeks there and i remember doing this little exercise because i was i was you know I'd, i'd uh i'd taken a hit and i was i was pretty low um and I remember just writing down everything that I was doing with my time on the week. Uh, and, you know, how much social media am I looking at? And, you know, how much time am I spending on uh, whatever exercise, watching TV? Um, and then just giving it a little a little rating next to it uh, of, uh, you know, each thing of, of how energizing it was or how de-energizing it was. I really, it just it was such a shock for me to see how many things I was doing in my life that were de-energizing mm. that I wasn't um, and I was like oh I, I don't 
like that. I don't like that version of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, that was the night I just, this was 2014. Um, I just deleted all my social media. And it was like, I found it so bizarre because that was, I just remember it as like the loneliest night of my life. And I was like, all I've done is delete the accounts. Like mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll probably, you know, read, read, download it. And oh yeah, that was my thing. I was like, I'll just do it for a week. Okay. And I was just paralyzed with, um, yeah, with like this just sense of loneliness or like I'm missing out on life. Uh, and then I spent this beautiful week in the mountains taking care of a great Dane and listening to Guinea fowl. And, uh, I, a week later it was like, why the hell would I download that stuff again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's super interesting. And it's such a, like I, we just don't know the effects that social media is going to have on society. We haven't lived through the aftermath of that. Mm. But I feel like, you know, there are positives and I don't want to say like social media is bad and evil and you should not. And if Mm. you're an actor and you use it for your career, then, you know, (laughs) but I, I, I completely understand. And even just shutting off for a week, you know, um, not even having to delete them fully. Like obviously for you, that really worked for you. But, um, sometimes for me, I'm like airplane mode. That is all I need. Mm. Uncontactable, (laughs) best way to get murdered. (laughs) But no, I, yeah, I, I, that's really interesting that that was kind of a turning point for you. Yeah. Well, I think coming back to the, you know, waking up and Mm. and jumping in the rock pool. um, Yeah, I think I I really just wanted to, and it's something that I still do every year, you know, is write down, okay, well, what was the most, you know, de-energizing stuff of last year and what was the most energizing stuff? Um, You know, events, people, um, uh, things that I did, um, how I spent my time and energy, you know, uh, and just getting to getting to the end and going, okay, well, look, you know, there's the information in front of me, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've measured it and, and now I'm aware of it. Okay, well, that gives me the choice. Now I can choose, you know, what to do with my, my time and spend it on things which are, are more energizing. So taking the things which are energizing and, um, you know, using them to to fill my calendar and replace the things which are de-energizing. Mm. Um, and it's not yeah. an easy thing as well. Like I want to point that out. Like doing that practice, mm. it take it like it takes you sitting down with yourself and having that conversation and being like, okay, I need to actively make this a priority in my life because to slip back into the oh, you know, I'm just kind of going to go along with life. I'm going to look at social media because uh, what what else is there to do? I really feel like that is quite a slippery slope of just kind of letting life do what it will. But to actually be like, no, I want to take control of it. These are the things. I'm going to write down the things that light me up and the things that don't. Like that is... And obviously it gets to a point where it does become second nature and it becomes such a beautiful part of just the routine that you have. Um, but yeah, like for any, I just wanted to say that for anyone that's like, oh shit, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm never going to be like Michael. 
<laughs> but you know and for, for like for myself you know um I definitely have practices like meditation and journaling and scripting and all yeah. that sort of stuff that I've implemented into my routine but there are times that it slips you know I I slip up and I'm like oh I haven't been doing that for a few days and I can feel yeah. it you know yeah it's it's funny I um because I used to be like such a big dreamer about you know schedules and routines and rituals mm. but I never nothing kind of ever um was consistent or, or sustainable um and, and looking back on it, it's like, well, yeah, it's because if I missed a day, then I'd just beat myself up and mm. I'd feel so terrible about it. And, I'd, you know, that's not good enough kind of thing. And it, it just had this, like, icky energy about it that was just forceful and, yes. and pushing. And um, maybe it was, you know, 10 years of, of rugby in South Africa. But um, <laughs> it was that kind of that mentality. Uh, and then the second I kind of replaced that with, you know, a bit more of a growth mindset thinking, you know, no, yeah. no good, bad, right, wrong. Um, just cool. What is this telling me? Um, like now I, I think what I take pride in is that if I miss something, which is important to me, like right now, I mean, you know, the most important things to me on the day are probably jumping in the rock pool in the morning, uh, you know, doing my breathing stuff, uh, having a little journal, um, and jujitsu around lunchtime, like that's kind of those are the most important things to me at the moment. Mm. Um, and if I don't do them, I think where what I'm kind of, I guess, feeling quite proud of is I, I'm not, I'm watching myself not beat myself up over yes. missing those important things and just going, well, I'll start again tomorrow. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being more intuitive about your practice and. Um, from the day to day, what does your mind and body need in that moment? And knowing that the beating, beating yourself up is, I don't think it ever is very helpful. <laughs> I mean, it kicks yourself in the butt sometimes, that thing that you need. But I de yeah, I definitely fall into that trap of beating myself up. Um, and then being like, you know what, <laughs> like today I forgot my mic stands and I duct taped my mics <laughs> to two camera stands. And it's all good. It, I works. Could, it works. I had a moment of being like, I could really beat myself up about this or mm. this could just be a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think this is something that really, um, was so wonderful when I, I, I've had some really lovely experience of experiences of working with actors that you know I really look up to, mm. and that was a big shock for me was seeing them on set on you know nine figure budget sets, watching them whatever uh, miss a cue, screw up a line, uh, fall out of the accent. Um, do these little things and just watching how they just laugh it off and go on to the next take. Yeah. Um, that, cause for me, I, I was, you know, I was just so paralyzed about, it. I just wanted it to be perfect and it, it, it's not good enough. It's not good enough kind of thing. Um, and to see, you know, people that I really looked up to just treating themselves lovely, mm. um, treating themselves with, you know, a lot of care, uh, on set, just, playing we're just playing we're just fucking around we're just failing it's fine um you know start again 
next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a very lovely wake up call um, for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine so. And it's like, I think a really large amount of actors do go through that of the um, striving for perfection. Um, you know, towards the beginning of their career. And it is those moments of seeing someone that you do look up to or just having the experience of, you know, working and going, oh, actually, you know what makes something more interesting in life is the imperfections. Mm. That's what life is. Um, So, yeah, and that's definitely, you know, a big part of why I run the podcast is to show people who they do look up to and people in the industry that we are like, wow, their work is great. And showing them, look at, look at the journey that they went through to get to where they are now. It's completely different to everyone else's journey and it's imperfect. And they didn't just have like moment after moment of success. And so what does that say to you about your career? You don't have to have like, you got this role and then you got that role and like it's on the up and up it's never that Mm. so i think it's just important to always drive that home to people you know Mm. um something about your work that you do um well a lot of the work that you do you tackle quite serious content Which is amazing. I mean, stuff like, you know, The Nightingale and um, Hacksaw Ridge even. I just, um, I wondered um, how you kind of approached looking after yourself as well whilst doing those roles. Oh, that's, oh, that's a simple one. Um, Okay, so something like The Nightingale Mm -hmm. where, uh, I mean, you've, seen it um something like you know that the big scene mm-hmm. uh, i'll just say that the big scene <laughs> you can probably spoil it because it's been out for a while oh right? it's so, yeah but anyway um <laughs> look we we spent uh i mean that was a 12 minute scene that took us two days to film wow now we had uh in in the hut that that my character had built is very small um did you build it yeah, I got down with some that shit. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should uh, say that in I should. I actually built yeah. the hut on set. Yeah. I, I went real like method and oh, built man. a hut. <laughs> they got us out. They, they put me out six months early. I was a freaking hairy man doing that. Um, uh yeah, so we were we were filming that scene that took us two days to film. Now there's there's five of us. We had rehearsed that scene, I think, uh, maybe two or three times, um, and you know, looking at that scene or, or watching it, it might be like, oh, that's you know, that's so intense, and it must have been so kind of emotionally difficult, and um, I guess maybe that could it could be perceived that way. That was probably the most loving experience I've ever had um, mm. on a set uh, doing doing that that scene. Um, you know, we had a, 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 a therapist outside. You know, we're, we're dealing with. Uh, look, we got it. We got it. We got to film that twelve minute scene over and over and over again. And we're, you know, obviously main characters going through what she's going through and um you know all of that 
sexual violence and uh, and then the murder and then the there's obviously violence against a child as well, which um, I have watched people really struggle to to watch that in theaters. Um, and and yet, filming it was one of the most enjoyable and, and loving experiences um, because in the morning, you know, we knew we were about what we were about to do, um, and so we would hold hands and stand in a circle with Jen, and and uh, you know, we'd all check in, and we just knew that because of the the size of the material and what we were about to to do for the next you know twelve fourteen hours whatever it was we just knew we had to take care of each other um and it was also the most generous on set experience um which uh you know all the different shots and different angles and stuff it's like everyone gave everything on every take um and that was that was very special mm. yeah it was very special yeah so i mean we finished that and we we were all like giggling at at the end of those two days we were just so happy mm. you know we were freaking exhausted but i think we all knew um that it was a it was a, a, a big moment in a big um it was an important moment in an important film it had a very important message and and we wanted to we just wanted to to give jen's words um justice mm. you know we we i think uh, everyone just really wanted to serve it in that way yeah um, so yeah i look back on that that experience with a little, you know a lot of fondness for sure mm. yeah it is such an important film and it's it's heavy <laughs> that's mm. for sure mm. it's not a it's not a walk in the park but um yeah i always that's that's one such a beautiful thing to hear because I think, um, you know, especially in the indie sort of route, this is not indie by the way, <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, unfortunately sometimes people learn from their mistakes when they're taking on, um, subject matter and scenes like that as filmmakers and directors and as actors. And so I'm really, like it's inspiring to hear, especially because at the moment I'm in pre-production for a show that deals with the aftermath of suicide. Mm. And so one thing that's making me, it's not making me nervous, but it's in the back of my mind, is um, approaching scenes that are like are bringing up kind of thinking about, um, yeah, just how people kind of deal with life after someone has killed themselves and yeah it's just like even just hearing you saying that is very um i guess interesting to know how to approach something like that because sometimes i think as creatives we feel like we can go in a bit blind but i mean you know um you have had experience previously doing work that is sort of heavy so do you think that that is or I guess, you know, as you said, you were surrounded by an amazing cast and crew. So it's mm. everyone bringing all of their experience to go, okay, this is how we're going to approach this, which is really beautiful. Mm. Um, and collaboration is what filmmaking is about in the end. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Um, now, I want to talk about, um, I don't know how to... 
I don't know how to segue into this, but I'm just going to do it. So you also have um, programs that you run. Um, we're not calling them programs. Michael's <laughs> that really is the opposite. To... No. <laughs> okay. Well, you. Well, maybe I'll let you explain what they are, how you mm. came about forming them, what they are to you, and yeah. Yeah. Look. I... Oh God. Um. I think after. Um, you know, after after 2014, I, I realized that if I if I wanted to do this and I wanted to do it sustainably and and in a, in a way that was energizing and and fun and just you know enjoyable again, that I I had to make some big changes. Um, and I uh, I was I was very blessed. I started to work with um, some some very very generous people both in the world of um uh acting and and in the world of um you know performance mindset as well um and you know i i just looked at well who are the people who are taking care of um you know the people that that i look up to and and that i admire um and i you know i guess that's where my um, where I started to invest my time and energy and money and um, that turned into a, a bit of an obsession I guess because I, I just started to see that uh, or discover that there were these um, you know when the focus went on to uh, the process rather than results that um, things started to kind of uh, unlock for me I guess um, and then, you know, I started to make some changes and, and things started to flow and, um, I think just, you know, some people around me started to, to notice and, and, uh, I guess reach out and, um, yeah, that's been a, a very, a very lovely part of, um, I guess the last kind of five years for me is that, you know, if I'm not, um, you know, on, on set giving my own performance. And I really, really love, um, uh, I guess, helping other um, performers, whether, you know, uh, artists or, or athletes, but anyone that that just has that moment of like, oh, I just really want to give the work that I know that I can. Um, but there's just kind of things which they feel are uh, preventing that. Um, yeah, I, I love... I love that. <laughs> um, and, you know, what we were talking about before um, we started recording about, you know, acting, acting teaching or acting coaching. I, I, I've just never been interested in, in telling anyone what they should or shouldn't do um, because I found the people who help me the most and, you know, the people who, who take care of... Um, you know the Oscar-winning actors, like they would never tell me what to do. They would ask and they would listen, um, and then maybe just a little nudge here and there, and and and, and um, give guidance when it was when it was required. You know, almost a uh, always three quarters of an answer rather than yeah. rather than an answer and a half. As in, I hated when people stole the lesson from me. Um, I loved, there's nothing like it, you know, in, in acting and, and jiu-jitsu and, you know, 
all the things that I, that I love doing. It's like I love, um, I love learning the lesson for myself. I love earning it. I love eating it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think when I looked at um, particularly, you know, how to have um, what really fascinated me about um, uh, having a career, I guess, was that you know, and I mean, what's a career? It's just uh, um, you know, you're just zooming out and looking at, at all the stuff you've done, I guess. Um, but I felt like there was no systematic approach. Um, and that's something that jujitsu actually really gave me, which you know all about this. Um, but, uh, oh man, I've got to go on the segue because um, <laughs> I love I, We I, have time. I, I love this stuff. <laughs> I love this stuff so much. Um, you know, up until uh, 91, 92, um, for thousands of years, people were able to um, uh, delude themselves into what actually worked when it came to martial arts. And, oh, you know, my, my sensei in the cave, he's got this death touch and he can use his chi and he can defeat your master and, and all that kind of stuff. And then it came to 1992 and they started putting people in the ring and going, okay, well, why don't we just take a boxer and put them with a sumo wrestler or take a Muay Thai kickboxer and put them with a, you know, jujitsu black belt or karate versus judo or, or whatever. Um, and jujitsu won. Like, jujitsu won. <laughs> it was so... But, I mean, I just find that mind-boggling that, that for thousands of years people are able to um, just kind of talk about what would work and argue about what would work and then finally they just started going well let's just see let's just prove it yeah what works um and jujitsu worked um <laughs> and uh but why why because it has a system it, it there is a systematic approach where you do one two three four um and if that doesn't work then you just start again and you go one two three four one two three four and that um that really excited me and because I, I could see that there's nothing like that in, in the acting world. It's not, you know, there's all the, the systems of how to break down a scene. But in terms of having, um, you know, zooming out, looking at it holistically, um, uh, I, I, that's where I, I started to kind of focus my energy of, um, well, what are the important parts that, that make up uh, you know, one's, one's career, what are the, what are the, um, areas that are worth focusing on that are important, um, rather than not knowing where to focus my time and energy, um, having places to go, hmm, let me look at this, let me look at that, let me take this step, okay, cool, that's not working, all right, maybe I need to go to this step instead, mm-hmm. um, that's what, what really excited me. So I love watching people build their own processes. Yes. And that's what I love doing. I love facilitating that. Mm. Um, because I, I think um, I'm just continually amazed at how people are able to, that they have the freaking answer. They have the freaking answer, even if they can't articulate it. Maybe it's just a feeling in the body, but they, they have it. Um, and and they don't need anyone else. I don't believe they need someone else to tell them 
you know, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Um, and I, yeah, I guess that's it. That's uh, everything that I've loved doing. Um, you know, if I'm not working on my own performances is helping facilitate um, someone discovering, clarifying, uh, uh, distilling, distilling, distilling um, what their process is, you know, what works for them. And I, I freaking don't care if they're like golf, ballet, acting, whatever. Um, you know, uh, I worked with a blacksmith in, in Tasmania. His processes were just amazing. Like it was, it was so beautiful to see, um, you know, he has this anvil and he's like, Mike, I put my right foot here and I put my left foot here. I'm going to spend my life looking at this picture, like looking down at this picture. So how can I do that in a way which is energizing, which is, you know, um, uh, in line with his values and I just, I love that stuff so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I really struggled with when I was going to drama school because I found that drama school for me was very much the, this is how it's done. Um, So if you're not doing it in that way, um, you need to work harder to be able to do it in that way. And I found that um, after coming out of drama school, it took me a few years of actually kind of dusting away the things that I had built up in my mind in going through three years of drama school, you know, Um, which is, you know, all in all, it's life is a journey and you learn (laughs) from those experiences (laughs) As wanky as it sounds, but, you know, like, I'm not like, oh, I wish I'd never gone to drama school. It's like, Mm. that's really interesting that I learned that lesson in that way. Mm. Um, But, yeah, from now working with um, actual acting coaches and whatnot um, that, um, I guess, kind of approach things just every, every single week you'll go into them and it's a completely different thing. Like, let's see if it works doing it this way. And I had Pip Edwards on the podcast a few weeks ago and I loved, she said that you can one week be doing something one way and then for the next thing that you're doing, have something that completely contradicts Mm. this thing that you are using to approach that scene or whatever. And that's okay because Mm. that's just your process for that moment. It doesn't have to be this whole like, Stanislavski did it this way and this is the technique that you have to use for every single moment of your acting life Mm. um so that's really interesting to me yeah I, I walked out of drama school with a list of about I think there was about 200 boxes and it was like two A4 sheets um like eight font (laughs) um and and there was all these things to tick off and then uh I mean, that first year, I think I had like three three jobs straight out of drama school. Um, and I would get to like, I it frustrated me so much because I would, um, I had this list and I was like, that's what I should do. That's mm. what I have to do if I want to be a great actor. That's everything that I've learned for drama school. And that's what I have to do in order to, you know, be good and serve the work and, and et cetera. Um, and then I'd watch myself get to like, you know, the 10th thing or the 11th thing. And I, I just fall apart. I just didn't have the energy to tick all these boxes. Mm. Um, and that's been a huge shift for me is, is, 
you know, either whether it's that audition or whether it's that job, but just looking at it, um, you know, with fresh eyes and going, okay, start again, clean slate. What does this one need? You know, what do I want to do for this one? What excites me for this one? And yeah, I absolutely agree with that, that sometimes it can be complete polar opposites, you know? Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Or even like, why am I doing this point? Like, you know, oh, because it's written down on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I found when I, when I, um, uh, you know, this idea of, of um, uh, a mile wide, um, what is it? A mile wide and an, and an inch deep versus, uh, you know, an inch wide, but a, a mile deep. I think that's the Maths. worst. <laughs> the worst. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. When, yeah. it, when it became, look, let me do less but let me just focus on, I mean, like, this is so weird. Um, but when I look back on Nightingale, I feel like that's the least I've ever worked mm. because, and, and even though like I was waking up in the middle of the night to work with Elizabeth Kemp via Skype so that I could get two more hours of sleep so that I could, you know, get up and, and do the scene that day and, and spend 12 hours at set so I could come home, so I could have food, have a nap, wake up, have a shower, and do my voice at 1 a.m. in the morning so I could work with Elizabeth again. That was my kind of cycle on that on that gig. But, um, yeah, when I... Man, it... Like, yes, I was spending a lot of time and energy, but I was... That was, like, the least I've ever... The least things that I've ever worked on. It was like, great, I need to learn the Irish language, right? There's a lot of kind of guttural stuff um i need to know um certain important things about you know the scene or the script or whatever but uh yeah there might have been like six or seven things that i was like i really need to tick that box in order for me to to give what i want to give on this um very very few things and yet you know Mm. on the flip side um you know six months later and uh probably the, the proudest I've, I've felt or um, certainly the, the most energised I've felt leaving a, leaving a job. Um, Even though you were doing those crazy hours, waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Elizabeth was working with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga at that time. Um, and so on um, A Star Is Born, the only hours she had for me was like New York, like seven to nine or whatever it was. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, wake up one or two in the morning, have a shower, do a little vocal warm up and then mm. spend two hours with, uh, with her. Yeah. And mm. then, yeah, she passed away right after, uh, right after we wrapped about a month after we wrapped. Mm. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, it's unsurprising to me that you were so, I guess, prepared going into that role because it seems that it was at a time in your career when you had really thought about what is it that I want from this job and how am I going to approach it in like its intricacies, not like, oh, I'm just going to learn my lines. And mind you, I, I very much know that every professional actor knows very well that learning your lines is... <laughs> Next to not really that important. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it just, it um, it seems like the timing of that job was, um, I guess, divinely timed, you know, in terms of where you're at, um, I yeah, guess. I mean, because that, you know, that was, 
that was the first gig after I'd taken a year off to just kind of um, to start again. I really. love that. You took a whole year off? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'd love to take a year off. Yeah. <laughs> I remember because I was actually practicing with someone um, on the day when I got that phone call and uh, I saw I had a missed call and I was like, nah, but keep, you know, process the the practice the work is more important and then eventually uh called my agent back and uh she said i got that job and i was like yeah great thanks um and she was like no 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 no. i don't think you understand and i was like i do it's just i'm practicing and that's more important to me than the result um and uh yeah it was a, it was a very um uh yeah for that job to happen after you know particularly that last year and that the last three years before that was was very lovely Mm. I also think it's like such a testament to the idea of the letting go and allowing things to happen as they will and I can see that definitely from like when you first went to drama school and you were like yeah I thought I was just gonna go to uni and like I didn't think I was gonna be shortlisted and Mm. although you were nervous you kind of had this other idea of what you were going to do so when drama school happened for you it was like oh that's I allow I kind of let go and allowed that to happen and similar to you know getting the nightingale um, you were more focused, like your focus was drawn to something else and you'd let that go because yeah. you'd had that year of just living, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. It was something about where I was putting my focus or something about results. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I found it very interesting that when I was hanging out with, um, with working actors, actors that I looked up to and... Uh, you know, you finish on on set on a on a BBC gig, and and everyone's grabbing a drink after. Um, actors who were working, I found that they would they would spend their free time talking about life, talking about um, uh, you know just process. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then when I found that. I was hanging out with actors who weren't working. The conversations were very much about focusing on what they couldn't control, the results. Why am I not getting these results? And that was a a very kind of polarizing thing for me of like, ah, okay, Uh, what am I doing? Where am I? Where where are, let me notice my thoughts here. Am I, um, let me draw a little, you know, two circles on my hand, um, inside circle, things I can control, outside circle, things I can't control. And just walking around going, um, having that thought or having that feeling and going, oh, well, that's not within my control. Um, and having to just kind of rewire those, those you know, those synapses. Um, uh, yeah, because, hey, I, I when I left NIDA, I remember thinking because we i went into nida when jess moraine hugh sheridan had just gone straight from nida to um uh what was that show pack to the rafters and and then they won logies and stuff and they were on you know billboards everywhere and i remember telling myself when i graduated from nida well if if you're not on you know 
bus billboards and leading TV shows are on stage and, and in big significant jobs. Um, probably, you know, two, three years out of drama school, then it's probably not. It's probably not for you kind of thing. That's how I kind of spoke to myself about it. It wow. was so... It, it, it was so the opposite of play. It was so the opposite of enjoying the process. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that for me, um, you know, achieving my dream and, and being at the Sydney Opera House and, and being completely fucking miserable, that was the wake-up call for me where it was like, where am I putting my focus? Mm-hmm. Um, am I just spending my time trying to get results here or... Or am I actually going to enjoy this? Um, yeah. yeah. Process, process, process. Yeah. I think, you know, it is, it's easier said than done cause, because we do have so many steps that we need to take in our careers in order to, you know, put, put the things in place to allow things to come in. And a really good example is like when you're, when you're looking for an agent, you do need to send those emails off and you do need to send your little show reel and your headshots and all that. But I think, um, the idea of bringing that letting go and that play and enjoyment, enjoyment into sending those emails, like how different, um, your life could be if that's the mentality that you're having rather than sending all of these emails off to agents or maybe to casting directors or what have you and then being so caught up in the, the stuff that you can't control and you can't control if they're going to read it or not. You can't control if they're going to call you up and be like, hey, we like you. So yeah, I just, I find that really interesting is bringing the enjoyment into even those tasks, Mm. you know? So yeah. And it's, yeah, as I said, it's easier said than done sometimes, but it's just about continuously working towards exactly where you, how you want to feel, I guess, um, on the day to day. That is, that is a, a bloody good question. You know, how do I want to feel? How do I want to feel waking up in in three years' time, in five years' time? Um, This is, you know, Stephen Covey's beautiful, beautiful um, uh, book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Start with the end. How do I want to feel when I leave set? How do I want to feel when I leave that audition? You know, how Mm. do I want to feel in waking up in three years' time? Um, and, And starting with that, and then working backwards and just <laughs> yeah. building a process that will, um, okay, well, let me try something. What will, what do I think would get me to that feeling? Mm. Um, you know, maybe doing things my way. Okay, what is my way? Oh, well, maybe I'll do this rather than doing these things that I think I should do or feel like I should do. I'm going to maybe do what I want. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just testing, testing, distilling, reviewing, debriefing. Yeah. Um, start again, start again, start again. Yeah. Know. Stuffing up is never going to ruin an entire lifetime of work. I oh think God. that's what we've got to remember. Yeah. And in saying that doing it again and again and again, you've got the time, you've got the space. Yeah. Now I love having a shitty audition or a shitty, uh, a shitty take or something. Cause it like, it provides that lovely moment for me of like, um, just that reminder of how, um, I, I guess for me, that's, that's been, you know, uh, a big journey for me is, is going from, um, beating myself up about results to mm. just going, I'm just 
it's just a giant experiment. I'm yeah. just playing here. Yeah. 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 Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've talked for a while now. Um, I will link your website below. Is there anything else that you want to plug before we wrap up? Um, no. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for being here and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you.